most of you or many of you know me, but I know there's some who don't. I also know there's many of you who know my name, but don't actually know who I am. I'm Judy Moody, and for the last few years I know that lots of you have been praying for me and for my family, just getting out of the light a little bit. Um, and I really appreciate that. We've had a, um, a long and difficult journey and it's, it's been awesome to know that um, we've been carried along in this, yeah, sorry, I thought, it, whatever works, <laughs> um, you know, carried along in this journey by many of you and I wanted to share some of that um, story with you today. But um, before we start, I just want to pray. Our Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be standing before my family here and sharing uh, some of my journey um, through cancer and, and how you've helped with that. Lord, I just pray that these won't just be my words, that Lord, you will be um, speaking through me and into the hearts of the people here. Lord, I just pray that you'll um, just be with me as I share these words, calm my nerves and, um, yeah, just thank you for being with us. Amen. Okay, one of my favourite songs, and over the last few years it's been a bit of an anthem, is called Brave. It's written by Mariah Peters and it goes something like this. No one ever told me this would be easy, but I never thought it would be so hard. Oh, the worry, the worry, the worry, it's weighing on me. Could you help me break down all the question marks and make me brave? Do you ever feel like this as a mum? As we love our children, doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're three or 30, like one of mine's about to be, we all have days when we wonder if we're up to the task. The song goes on to say, I know, I know I'm no superwoman, but impossible is possible with you. It's true. My family and I have just been through some of the most difficult years we've had to face. We've faced the impossible and I discovered with God that the impossible is possible. I had to learn to stop worrying and start to concentrate on what really matters. I was diagnosed with a rare cancer in January 2015, appendix cancer. The one in a million cancer, they called it. It sounds simple, just take out the appendix and everything will be fine. But in truth, it was far from that. There aren't usually any signs of appendix cancer. It's usually after it's um, actually spread into the abdomen and growing on organs in in the abdominal cavity that the symptoms start to show up. So it's never a grade one cancer. I had two surgeries, 18 months of chemotherapy and then about 12 months after that with no treatment because there was nothing else that they could treat me with. We were just watching and waiting to see what the tumours did. Um, They returned sort of early after the first uh, round of chemo. Um, During this time, I was reminded what really matters. The first thing was stop worrying. After I was diagnosed with cancer, I had two choices. I could go home and worry, wallow in self-pity... Or live the best life I could within the limitations of the disease and the treatment I was having. Worrying doesn't help us. It's actually wasted energy. It robs us of time we could be spending doing something else or somewhere else. And it can actually make things worse. I actually read a few studies about worry 
and it says that excessive levels of worry can lead to high levels of anxiety and physical illness. And another study I read said that 85% of what we worry about doesn't even happen. Wasted energy. What does the Bible say about worrying? Matthew chapter 6, 25, uh, verses 25 to 34 is a great passage about worry. Verse 27 says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And verse 34 at the end says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. I needed to trust that God did care for me. I had to hand over all my worries let God deal with them and then I could concentrate on living. The next thing, um, and I always knew this, but I think it consolidates when you're, um, you know, faced with life and death, but family is really important. Um, We've got three sons and a chosen daughter. One of my sons is married. Um, And that's great, but, you know, there's our extended family as well. And my relationship with my brothers and sisters became so much stronger um, through this journey. We always knew that we'd be there for each other if we needed each other. We loved each other. But in truth, we didn't actually have any time for each other. We were too busy living our own lives and there was no time to actually spend with each other. It didn't seem that important. There's always birthdays and Christmas to catch up. When faced with the possibility of losing one of us, things changed. It became so much more important to reconnect, to spend time together, to really love each other. We became intentional about the time that we spent together. My brother Andrew and his wife have spent a lot of time in China over the years. It was a special place for them. And it was something that they wanted to share with us. So while I was still well enough, my sister and her husband and One of my brothers and his wife and John and I actually went to China for 10 days. Um, We actually decided about 10 days beforehand that that's what we were doing. And John didn't have a passport. Really hard to get passports and Chinese visas within a week. But it happened. Um, We had a great time. And one of the things I've always always wanted to do was to um, walk on the Great Wall of China It is amazing and you stand in one spot and you look out over the distance and you can see the wall. Like it just goes on for 6,000 miles or something and that's what's left of it. Um, It's just a a really amazing place to be. And as we're standing up there, I'm standing with my sister-in-law and she says, oh, you should ring mum and, you know, say hello and I'm going from here. So I'm standing on top of the Great Wall of China, ringing my mum on the mobile phone, going, hi, mum. She says, I thought you were in China. I said, I am. I'm standing right on top of the Great Wall. It was really bizarre. Who knew that the mobile networks worked out there? Sorry, I've got to have a drink. My sister and I, we'd been really close when we were younger, but again, had... um, you know, moved in um, different paths and hadn't spent very much time together. But again, rekindling that relationship. Her family loves to ski, snow ski. Our family loves to ski, but it's not, it's not something we'd ever done together. 
Um, two of uh, my sister's children work in Japan in the winter, the Japanese winter, our summer. And so we went to Nisiko together, the four of us, to visit their kids and um, go skiing. I was actually in the middle of chemotherapy treatment at the time, skipped the treatment, so we had a little bit longer. So I was a bit tired, so it was a bit hard to keep up with everybody else. The runs in Japan are like kilometres long. I'd get to the bottom and think I'd done a day's work. But there was nothing like skiing through powder snow that comes up over your knees. It's another experience that I'll never forget. And during my journey, my sister has continued to be my rock, coming to treatments and you know, working through diagnosis with me and just always being there. It's the same with John's family. We started to spend intentional time together. We have a new tradition in the Muti family called Family Games Night. You even get to come to that if you're not a Muti, so, you know, that's okay. So whoever's around, we get together, we have pizza, we play board games, brothers, sisters, mums, dads, cousins, aunts, uncles, and grandma even comes. It's a lot of fun to hang out together. Um, And just before I got really sick, um, my sister-in-law, Kirsten, and I went to Bali for a week, and that was just another amazing time of just spending time together and, and just being um, things that I would cherish because um, you know, I'd forgotten how important all of that was. God made us social beings. He gave us families. Right from the beginning of time, God knew we needed family. Genesis 2.8 says, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Family is so important. But you have to work at relationships. They don't just happen, even within your own family. If you want a good and close relationship with your children, your siblings, your spouse, um, your brothers and sisters, and even your friends, you need to spend intentional time together and really get to know each other. In March 2018, so last year, um, everything changed. I'd become sicker, my pain was getting worse, I had trouble eating and I was having difficulty maintaining weight. We saw my oncologists and surgeons in Melbourne and instead of hearing that it was time to operate again, we were told that the cancer was too widespread and it was too difficult to operate. Go home, do the things you really want to do, you have months, not years. How do you process something like that? And at that stage I didn't even feel that sick. The third thing, I was reminded that God is faithful. I'd just been told I only had months to live. There was no more they could do. But I'd heard about a doctor in Sydney who was amazing with other people who had um, the same cancer that I had. Um, I knew people who'd been facing death who had been operated on by him and he'd given them back their lives, some for months, some for a few years, and some of them for many years. I joined a forum of other appendix cancer patients a few years earlier when I was first diagnosed, and so I had met some of these people and spoken to them. It was risky surgery with no guarantees. I could potentially be worse off after the surgery, or I may not even survive the surgery. The doctor mightn't even take the case. He might find it too risky too. I had no idea what the outcome would be, But after talking with John and the boys, we decided the risk was worth taking. 
the hope of living longer, we weren't ready to give up yet. It was time to really trust God with my life. It's easy to trust when life's cruising along, but do we really trust God? When there's nothing else we can do, are we prepared to step out in faith and trust God with the outcome? We believed that God had placed this doctor in our path. All that we had to do was make contact and trust God, whatever the solution was. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God, cares, uh, that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This doesn't mean that everything will be okay, that it will all be fixed and that there won't be any complications. It does mean that we can trust God whatever the outcome, it will work out for the good. God has a plan and it will be okay. Miracles do happen. I think sometimes we think miracles only happen as some sort of amazing supernatural event that God does with no human involvement. And although this is true, I think miracles are more often seen when all the seemingly little things and insignificant things line up at exactly the right time when all seems lost and everything's impossible. Just like Jesus' first miracle, the wedding at Cana, the wine ran out, all seemed impossible. But Jesus used clay pots, servants, water, all the little insignificant things, and the best wine of the wedding was produced. A surgeon in Sydney with exceptional skills, the fact that I knew about this surgeon from a few years earlier, the fact that he accepted the referral and looked at my scans and history, and this sort of cancer, they rate it, they give it a score out of 39 and it's based on whereabouts it is and how much is there. So the worst it can get is a score of 39. Mine was scored at 39. And most surgeons won't operate if the score's higher than about 15 because it's so risky. Um, Despite everything, uh, he saw us, and despite everything that seemed to be against us, he agreed to operate. That in itself is a miracle. The fact that I'm standing here today well enough to be talking to you is nothing short of miraculous. The impossible is possible with God. Life's tough, but God's tougher. Even with miracles, life's tough. God doesn't promise to make our lives easier, but he does promise to be there um, with us through it all. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Matt, our middle son, his favourite verse is Isaiah 40.31. But those who trust the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. We went to Sydney for our consultation after, uh, um, to see um, Prof Morris where he explained how tough it was going to be. He agreed to do the surgery. But not only did he agree to do the surgery where we thought he was just going to remove some of the tumours and, and make life a little bit easier and maybe a little bit longer, he looked at us and said, I think I can get it all. Um, which just blew us away. 
and he'd agreed to do the surgery, you know, within the next month or so. So we saw him in June and sometime July, August, I was supposed to be operated on. That time in Sydney was difficult. It was really difficult. We ended up there a few weeks earlier than had been planned because I'd suddenly got sicker. The weight was falling off, I was having trouble eating and blood tests were showing that my body was actually having trouble maintaining the nutrients it needed to stay alive. So going to Sydney so far away from friends and family was a really hard thing to do. I spent nearly three months in hospital, firstly recovering from the surgery and then trying to get um, strong enough to come home. And then there was the recovery time that I needed at home. The 16 and a half hours of surgery took a lot out of me, literally and figuratively. <laughs> There's not a lot left in here. Um, the complications that um, the doctor said that were highly likely did happen. I ended up back in surgery about 10 days later and I was there for another four hours. Then we entered the recovery phase. I couldn't shower myself or turn myself over in bed for f- the first few weeks. I had to get physio to get the muscles working again properly and I had to learn to eat again after not eating for two months. You don't know how hard it is staring at a piece of toast, taking a bite and thinking, I can't eat anymore. And it t- you know, I sent John one day, you know, they'd say, eat whatever you like. And I sent John one day, I said, I really feel like a fillet of fish. And, you know, we'd seen the McDonald's sign down the street. So he went down the street. But actually, it was a sign to say that McDonald's was in the next town. So he walked to the next town, bought my fillet of fish, walked all the way back. Obviously, we had to heat it up, but we're used to that. We live out in the country. Everything gets heated up when we buy it in town here. Heated it up, and there's my fillet of fish that I really, really wanted, except that now that it was sitting in front of me, I didn't really want it. And he'd done all that work for me to get it for me. So I tried my hardest to eat it and I took a bite and that was all I could eat. It was um, hard work for John as well as me. (laughs) Um, Sorry, another drink. My family were great. They tag-teamed and made sure that I was um, never there on my own. There was always a friend or a family member with me. Um, and thank you to those people who took time off work and, and just came and sometimes just sat with me. Nights were the hardest, alone in a dark and strange place. I had some problems from the anaesthetic and also some infections that I had where... Um, Uh, Basically, I was having delusions and hallucinations and um, I found at night time that that was the worst. It was really quite frightening. Um, Yeah, I don't know, should I tell that story, John? I I thought I'd been captured and was being experimented on and that's why I wasn't getting better and I needed to escape so that I could rescue everybody else that was in this. Like, it was just really bizarre. And even in amongst that, there was those... It wasn't quite so bad during the day because I could see what was going on. But in amongst that, you know all those memory verses when... I don't know about kids now, but when I was young and in Sunday school and we had Christian Endeavour and we did sword drill and learnt memory verses, committing scripture to memory is really, really important because even in my delusions, I could remember those. 
And so I spent a lot of time just chatting with God, singing songs in my head or going over memory verses to try and bring myself back to reality. Because even though it felt, what was going on through my head felt real, I knew that it wasn't and I just needed, you know, it was something that just helped keep me grounded. I knew that God was there listening to me and it made the night seem a little less dark and a little less silent. Um, huh. I did have it here to tell you that um, story, so there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, that, so those verses, songs, it, it was an anchor that helped to keep me grounded to reality. So, it, you know, memory verses are important. I remember in the early days in hospital when the physio used to come in and particularly the first few weeks when my sister was there and I'd see him walking towards, um, like along the ward and towards our room and I'd look at my sister and say, I can't do this today. I'm just too tired. I'm too sore. And sometimes I'd be really teary. It was just, it was just all too much. By the time he'd got to my bed, or usually I was sitting out in the chair by then, I'd be standing up in the chair and I'd look at him and say, okay, let's get this over and done with. So we'd go and do the physio and he'd set little goals, you know, I want you to achieve this by. And he, he looked at me one day and he said, all right, by the end of the week, I want you to be able to walk one lap around the ward without stopping. So I did it by Wednesday. So then he said, all right, well, by Friday, I want you to be able to do two laps around the ward without stopping. So I did four. Every challenge he set me, even though I was thinking, I don't want to do this, when the time came, it was like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it um, so much more. As much as I hated the physio and and, um, wanted to forget it, I knew that I had to do it to get out of hospital. The need to go home to my family and get on with living was far greater than my pain and tiredness. Sometimes our mind tells us that this is too hard, just sit it out. If we want to achieve things in life, we need to change that mindset. Instead of I can't, we need to be saying I can, I will and I'll do more. You'll be surprised at how strong you really are. Added to that is the strength that comes from God. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Don't waste your life by telling yourself you can't. Try I can and I will through Christ who strengthens me. The nurses and the other staff often commented on my positive attitude and strength dealing with everything that I was going through. I had many opportunities to share my faith and where that attitude and strength came from. Even when we're at our lowest, when we're trusting God, he shines through and others want to know where that strength comes from. Don't be afraid to share your faith. Eventually, I was well enough to go home. I wondered at times if that day would ever come, but it did. I still have some issues. The journey hasn't been without complications, but I'm alive and I can live a pretty good life in spite of what I have to deal with. So why am I telling you this story? I want you to know that God is faithful. He loves us and and he loves me and he brought me through this. The complications I'm left to deal with just remind me to lean on God more. I'm a living miracle and I want others to see the God I know who loves me and saved me. This can be your story too. None of us know when this life will come to an end, but we all know that it will. 
one day. It shouldn't take a life-threatening event to make us realise what's important in our lives and to live a life of purpose and glorify God. I'm learning so much as I go through this journey with cancer. I've seen and experienced things that would never have happened if I didn't have cancer. The trials and struggles that we all go through, although painful, are often the times that we see God really at work. When we let go and give it all to God, because there's nothing else we can do, he's free to work miracles and shape us into the person he created us to be. My life verse is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. I can completely trust God in everything that happens in my life. He has my best interests at heart. He can turn the mess, the trials, the pain, the disappointments into something so much greater. He has a plan and I have a future. My body might be broken, but my faith is so much stronger. I feel free to share my life, my faith and my God with others. I can live my life knowing what really matters. So can you. Embrace the things that really matters, that really matter. What really matters? Stop worrying. It's wasted energy. Give it to God and let him deal with it. Family's important. God made us social beings. He gave us family. God is faithful. He wants us to trust him. Miracles still happen. The impossible is possible with God. Life is tough. God is tougher. God gives us the strength that we need. And the most important message of all, God loves us, he died to save us, and he wants us to share the great news with others. John 3.16, which we probably all learned, says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 